Good morning, Boker Tov. So great to be back, living with Emuna. The microphone was requested, so hopefully you can hear better in the back with it. Loud enough? Good? Fantastic. I'm so happy you're all here. Love learning Emuna together and growing and reminding ourselves what we already know. I say every week, I'm still shocked that you keep coming back because I just say the same thing every single week, mostly for myself. I'm glad that you come to hear it as well, which is our weekly... Amuna support group, working out our Amuna muscle to be able to instinctively react with Amuna when we need it. When our anxiety kicks in, our envy kicks in, our arrogance kicks in, our anger kicks in, to dig deep and to remind ourselves, stay calm, cool and collect, let go and let God. Everything is for a reason. Everything is by design. Everything is meant to be. There's nothing, therefore, to grow anxious about. There's nothing to be envious of. There's nothing to get angry over. And there's certainly no reason to get arrogant because we are not in control, we are not in charge of absolutely anything. I want to thank, as always, I want to begin with our attitude of gratitude, which is such a core prerequisite to Emuna, to be capable of feeling gratitude, the humility to feel gratitude. The Emuna series is generously sponsored by Drs. Avi and Bella Morgan, in memory of Rabbi Dr. Brian Gavit, Zichron Levracha, in the memory of Bella's mother, Dr. Ellen Shanzer, who lived a life of service to the Jewish community. And to Chesed, thank you so much. Also, this morning's Emunah Shir is sponsored by Ron Gall in honor of his recent engagement to Pam Cohn. Big Mazel Tov. And we're so, so excited and looking forward to welcoming Ron to our community more fully and to celebrating that Simcha together. Also, this morning's uh, co-sponsored by Bailey Smith and for the Rafur Shlema of her son, Aryeh Leib Ben Bela Rachel, a wonderful young man. We wish him a Rafur Shlema. Should have good health and happiness. Should give his parents and grandparents and Klai Yisrael lots of nachas. And he should go on to achieve the greatness that he is poised and positioned to do. So I want to start with an Amuna story. Every week I always tell uh, the listeners, those who are watching, those who come in person, should have mentioned you first. You are the primary audience. Um, but I always say send in your Amuna stories because there's no greater way, better way to grow. There's nothing that more reinforces our sense of Amuna than those stories that make it come alive and put it in practice. So this is a great Amuna story because it happened last week at the Amuna Shir. So last week, I don't know why, for no good reason at all, I started telling you about Rav Machlis, great tzaddik of Yerushalayim, his wife, Allah Shalom, who was an extraordinary tzaddikist. How many people, how many ordered the book? There you go, I don't even get a cut. I should have sent you like a special code on Amazon and got a cut for the shul. But Rebetz and Machlis was one of a kind. There was simply nobody like her. She was just an extraordinary, extraordinary person. You got the book, you read the book. We talked about reading biographies is the best genre of growth, not self-help, but uh, said Tal Ben-Shachar, the famous happiness guru, professor at Harvard, don't read self-help books, read biographies. Biographies inspire us the most. I hope you read a biography. So for whatever reason, I was moved last week to mention that I tried to get Rav Machlis to come behind the bima. He is so humble and so real and so genuine and so special that he said, why in the world would I be on a show about inspiration? If I read to you these texts, you wouldn't even believe it. He said, if I ever become inspiring, I will let you know but right now, I don't qualify to be on that show. You should go get someone who's inspiring. Back and forth and back and forth, my groveling, my begging, my pleading, and the answer was no. The end of Sheer last week, Stephanie Gross, who should have good health and happiness and success and vibrancy and that we think of and wish the best for. Stephanie's father's first year site is coming up and she said, you know, Rav Machlis went to school with my father and loved my father. I bet if I reach out and ask him to come on to speak about my father and dedicate the episode and met me and my father, I bet he would do it. Fast forward, next week's guest behind the bima, Rabbi Machlis. So I don't know what motivated me to talk about it last week, 
But then Stephanie happened to be here last week, and she says it happens to be that next week is my father's yard site, and they happen to have gone to school together, and I bet Machas would respond to that. And now that I've announced it, for sure he can't back out. So next week, Amir Tzashem on Behind the Bima, that is our Emuna story of the day. These stories, I just want to clarify something very, very important. Very important. These stories are not the reason to believe. These stories are not the reason to believe. When someone tells you this incredible story and I was running late and it turns out and I would have been in the car accident and the plane went down, I would have been on the plane. These are not the reason to believe. Because someone read a story and it made you cry and it tugged on your, on your heartstrings and you saw that video and you said, wow, this is Hashem and it came to be and it just worked out. That's amazing. They reinforce our amuna. They're lovely. They give us goosebumps to bring tears to our eyes, put a smile on our face. They're well worth it. I like them and share them as much as you do. But let's be very clear, they are not the reason for Emunah. Because for every one of those stories, we don't forward the video that says, we daven really hard, but my loved one died anyway. You know, they were delayed, they left, and then they got in a car accident, which had they gone on time, they would never have had. We don't share those stories. Those stories are also Emunah. They're a lot harder to see, a lot harder to get inside. And I want to tell you in this context, there was a great article last week Mishpacha magazine. I, do, I don't get a cut of anything that I promote or share. There's no like product placement like Dunkin' Donuts right now. I don't, get a, I don't even get a free cup of coffee at Dunkin' Donuts. We don't even still have our kosher Dunkin' Donuts. I get nothing from Dunkin' Donuts. So, but I, I'll, I'll tell you, it was a great article from a Rebbe of mine, Rav Leuchter, was a teacher who was a Rebbe of mine when I was in Israel after we were married and I was learning in Kolo. Rav Leuchter is a Talmud of Rav Shlomo Volba, the Mashkiach of Yushalayim, very close with Rav Volba. Rav Leuchter is an incredibly special human being, big Talmud Chacham, Mashkiach himself. One of the reasons I love Rav Leuchter, he actually visited us when I did the Ner Elif program in Israel way back when, way back when. So they would go out to the people who went out in the field and they would visit and check up. Do you remember Rav Leuchter stayed with us one night and he came, he taught my Judaism A to Z. I was in the Kolel, I was in charge of outreach at the time, I had a class did, were any of you alive when that was happening? I had a class called Judaism A to Z, Judaism A to Z, and he came in one week and he taught Judaism A to Z. So he has an amazing article last week. And he's talking about, um, he said, many years ago, my friend's wife passed away, leaving him with five young children to raise. When I went to the shiva, I found him surrounded by friends and family, and I felt a bit super, superfluous. But when I spoke with him, he told me he was very happy I'd come. Because he elaborated, everyone else had tried to explain to him that his wife's passing was really a good thing. I was the first to acknowledge that something terrible had happened. So let's be very clear. Living with Amuna, being an extraordinary example of Amuna, does not mean whether for ourselves or trying to convince others that there's no such thing as a painful experience. It's all from Hashem. So the fact that your loved one dropped dead, leaving you all alone with these orphan children, it's amazing. Isn't it amazing? It's from Hashem. Smile, be happy. It's for... That's foolish. It is absurd. It is an absolute... It's an injustice, it's a disservice, it's a disgrace. It's not what Hashem wants from us at all. Living with Amuna and believing that He's here doesn't mean that things aren't painful. And I'll give you the metaphor that I think about all the time when the answer sometimes is no for us, which is with our own children. I always try to think, you know, the mystics, Kabbalah tells us that all the relationships that we have in this world, all the relationships that exist, marriage, romance of a husband and wife, intimacy, a parent and a child, the love, the devotion, the selflessness of a parent towards a child, hopefully reciprocated one day, a child to a parent. Every dimension, oh, oh, one day, one day. No, it's here, don't worry. I don't have to worry, none of my children listen, so I could say one day. But, um, and I'm not bitter at all about that, but one day. So uh, all the relationships in our life, colleagues, employer, employee, friends, 
king and servant, master. These are all metaphors, says Kabbalah, for the relationships with Hashem. Every one of them. There's an aspect and a dynamic with Hashem that we can relate to and experience only because we have a parallel in our relationships in this world. Of all the relationships, by the way, of all the metaphors, which is the most aspirational in our relationship with Hashem? Which is the highest level? Which is the paradigm that if we're living our relationship with Hashem most fully, that's the model, or that is what the, the metaphor, the analogy we're following. Is it master and slave? Is it boss and employee? Is it friends? Is it parent and children? So the Mishnah in Kalim, Mishnah Yadaim says that kol ashirim kadush, but shir ashirim is kodesh hakadash. All, all of Tanakh, all 24 books, all the Megillahs, they're all holy in their own right. And the books are filled with these metaphors, these examples, these comparisons, these analogies. And they're all holy and they all have a service and they all have a purpose. But do you know which is the holiest at Rabbi Akiva? They're all holy, but the holiest is Shira Shirim. A husband and wife, a love affair, longing, yearning, desire, romance, energy, electricity, intimacy. That is the highest. The union of a husband and wife. Shira Shirim begins, Shlomo Amalek describes, Yeshakenim in Ashikos Piu. He describes it as an intimate kiss. And Rashi, who sees all of Shira Shirim as that metaphor, and that's the art scroll translation methodology of Shira Shirim, Rashi says, Yeshakenim in Ashikos Piu, Harsinai. Harsinai. An intimate kiss between a husband and wife, something reserved, you know, for people who are really in love. Even other acts of intimacy or boundaries that are violated with others, but that act is often protected and preserved as the ultimate intimacy of a husband and a wife, of people who are really devoted to one another. The imagery, the intimacy of a kiss, which as much as I'm blushing right now talking about this, it's one of the books of Tanakh. It's Shlomo HaMelech. This is our sacred Torah. When we talk about it in the right context, in the right way, for the right reason, there's nothing to blush about. So. What is, the, what is the image? Yishakenim and Yishikaspiyo, the kiss? It's Matan Torah Har Sinai. When we receive the Torah, when we connect with Hashem, when we submit and surrender to Him, when we feel His presence in our life, it's like, a, it's like a kiss. Do you not ever feel His kiss? When things work out, when things come together, when things came through, the thing you were panicked about or anxious about or worried about, and it worked out. When you got that good news of the miracle, of the blessing, of the good fortune, of the yes to yesterday's tefillah, do you not feel like He just gave you the biggest kiss he just gave you the biggest kiss. You feel so connected. You feel so in love. You feel so bonded together. You feel so, so attached. So that is the holiest. So we have all these metaphors. So that's the one we strive for, unfortunately, or realistically, often the one that we live with regularly is the parent and child. That's the one I think about all the time. So as parents, those who are not yet parents, we bless you if you long to be parents. You should be Zoha have beautiful, healthy children who give you lots of nachas, grandchildren who give you tremendous nachas. Many, 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 many. Six million. Six million. Oh, yes. We were dating. I don't know how it came up. How many children do you want? True story, Yochavet? How many children did I say I wanted? Two. I wanted six million. But since I didn't carry the children, we didn't get there. We didn't even get to, we didn't even get to a million. But anyway, should all be blessed with, with six million each. So parent and children. You know, we love our children. Does loving our children mean that the answer is always yes? The third grader says, can I have a phone with no filter in my room with internet all night? And then cries and screams and has a tantrum, you don't love me. Now fast forward and the 11th grader says, my friends are all going X and they're going to enjoy Y and they have no curfew to come home at Z. Can I go? Are you out of your mind? Absolutely not. They have a tantrum, an older tantrum, but it's really, it, reduce it. It's the same, it's the same tantrum. 
And in both cases, and now you know, keep fast forwarding. And in all these cases, when the parent says no, is it because they don't love the child? The parent says no, it's because they enormously love the child. It's the parent who has no boundaries and always says yes, that in fact doesn't love the child. They think they love the child, they really love themselves and don't want to have to deal with the tantrum of the child. And they're loving themselves and not wanting to deal with the tantrum or not having the headspace or the, or the energy or the time. And they love themselves more to not deal with the tantrum. You know, so, so in our home, it's been said, sometimes when the answer is no and the tantrum ensues and says, but my family, so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so are going, so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so have that device, get to watch that thing, get to experience that thing. I say, I'm so sorry, I feel so bad their parents don't love them as much as I love you. <laughs> Now, I feel a little guilty saying it, but not that guilty. I mean, I know them, I know their parents. I won't lie that I hope it doesn't get back to them. My friend, my kid's probably texting their friend right now. My Abba said that your parents don't love you as much as he loves me, right? So uh, if it gets back, I don't care it gets back because it's true, because it's true. When you really love, then you put boundaries and you sometimes say no. And if you don't love as much or you love yourself and your serenity and your sanity more than the expense and the cost and the effort of saying no, then, then, you, then you don't say no, you always say yes. But if you really love, then there are times that you say no. And you say that no, not out of hate or spite, but only out of love. The kid who wants to run in the middle of the street, the little kid who wants to put their finger in the outlet, the little kid who wants, the answer is no, because I love you. Hashem sometimes says the answer is no. Now when that child is crying hysterically or having their tantrum, you can say no and simultaneously hold them and coddle them and cuddle with them and, and tell them how much you love them and do another fun activity with them and say, the answer is no. Sorry you can't go, but I love you and I want you to know it. And I respect the fact that this is frustrating, painful, that right now you say you hate me and you feel I hate you, but you're going to grow up and say, thank you so, so, so much for not letting me go. Baruch Hashem, we've been Zoha, and I bless all of you to get to a point where they grow up and they say, looking back, remember the thing and the fight and the yelling and the screaming and the hate and the tantrum and the drama? Thank you so much for not letting me go. Thank you so much for not letting me have that. So that's what Rav Leichter is saying. He paid the shiva call where everyone else foolishly and ridiculously, we're going to get to the safer, I hope, but foolishly and ridiculously said, your wife died, isn't Hashem amazing? You have these little orphans. Isn't Hashem fantastic? Everything he does is for a reason. This is what's meant to be. You were so lucky to have her when you had her and God bless her. And Rav Leichter paid the shiva call and he said, I'm going to paraphrase, he didn't say this. This stinks. I'm so sorry. You must be in unbearable pain. It's from Hashem. He has his master reasons, master plan. One day, maybe we'll find out why. But right now, it hurts. It stings. It's unbearably painful. It's acutely painful. It's chronically painful. And I'm with you. And I'm with you. And he says, everything... I love this article. That's why I'm sharing it with you. This is the Sefer. First of all, we're learning Revolba. Rav Leuchter is a Talmud of Revolba. So we're learning Revolba by learning this Rav Leuchter. And he quotes Revolba here. If you read it, I apologize. It's Chazara. He says the following mashal, which I really love. He says, life is like a voyage across the sea. Most of the time, the sailing is smooth. Sometimes there's a stretch of choppy water, but once in a while, there's a storm. At some point, most people experience a major crisis when it seems impossible to go on. Those storms of life threaten to pull us out of our world into the narrow cell of our own emotions. Our ship is in danger of being swept away. We need an anchor to hold us in place. The amuna that everything Hashem does is for the good is vital to our lives as Jews, but it's a weak anchor. It won't save you from a raging storm because the storm will always be stronger. And the reason is simple. We can't understand Hashem's plan. One day Hashem will be open our eyes to see the reason for everything. But for the time being, we don't have the ability to understand. So the experience remains a painful one. Shiva houses are full of well-mentioned visitors, 
well-meaning visitors who tell the mourner that a sudden tragedy may be a korban to save Klal Yisrael from a massive blow, or that the deceased received the tremendous chus of rousing other people to do tshuva. It's all true, but it's not an anchor. Statements like those don't help a mourner cope with pain. They don't give tools to deal with experience. They simply dismiss it. As if to say, you've got it all wrong. Really, your reality is a pleasant one. It doesn't help a person in the middle of a crisis to sugarcoat his situation. Doing so might at most distract him from the bitter reality, but at some point, it will return in full force. And this is the story I wanted to tell you. This is Ravolba. A certain Rosh Hashiva once suffered a family tragedy. The whole Shiva, he told his visitors that everything Hashem does is for the good, and we must accept his gzeros, his... Uh, Decree, thank you, with Simcha. It was amazing to see his Zemuna, but Revolba told me it won't last long. Can you imagine Revolba, the great Mashkiach, is sharing on his way out of a Shiva house to his Talmud about a Rosh Yeshiva. A Rosh Yeshiva is carrying himself, the whole Shiva, with great Amuna. It's from Hashem, it's for a reason. I'm happy we accept it. You have to have it with a full heart. We don't challenge Hashem. And Revolba walks out and tells his Talmud, it's beautiful, it ain't gonna last. Enjoy it while you heard it, because this Rosh Yeshiva is gonna crash. Unfortunately, he was right. Several weeks later, the Rosh Hashiva was totally unable to function. He wasn't a charlatan. His amuna was truly steadfast, but he had tried to use his amuna to bypass the pain. That doesn't help, because he experienced the pain, but not the goodness of Hashem's plan, which only he can understand. A person going through a storm needs an anchor, not to try to convince himself that the storm doesn't exist. We need an anchor that deals with our experience rather than denying it. If we look deeply in the Torah, we'll find lessons of Amuna that can help a sailor survive even the strongest storm. And that's the rest of the article. I'll still make you spend some money on Mishpacha to read the rest of it. He then quotes the other sources in Torah, this notion. But my friends, what a powerful lesson. Back to his Sefer of Volba. This too is the Sefer. The stories from his Talmidim is also the life of Revolba. But what a powerful message that we need an anchor not to live in denial. Denial is not just a river in Egypt. Denial that says, Everything's amazing and hunky-dory and, fa- you never heard that? Denial and hunky-dory and fantastic and wonderful. Isn't it amazing I got this diagnosis? Isn't it amazing my investment crashed and burned? Isn't it amazing I lost a loved one? Is- That's just denial and it can't last and it won't last. And mental health professionals will tell you that living in denial, which is one of the stages of grief at first, it's got to transition to an acceptance and to a closure and to being able to, re- to grieve, to mourn, but you need an anchor. To deny you're in the middle of a storm is not going to save you when you need an anchor. And the anchor is Emuna. The anchor is Emuna. That's why we meet on Wednesdays. This class is Emuna. This class is an anchor. It's not enough on Wednesdays. Every morning with a bracha. That first bracha of the day, how are we doing on our homework? So-so, average, got to set an alarm. We got to produce our mugs, our coffee cups. We're going to get to it. Belina der Emir Tashem. But every day, you got to start davening three times a day. We're in the middle of a storging, storming, raging sea. So you stop and you daven three times a day and you drop your anchor and you remember, oh yeah, I forgot, you're here. I don't have to worry. I don't have to get anxious. I don't have to panic. Oh yeah, you're here. There's a reason. There's a purpose. Oh yeah, you're here. I don't have to be envious of what someone else has. I don't have to be jealous. So we drop that anchor. That is why we live with Amuna. We practice Amuna. We pray with Amuna. That is why we talk about Amuna. We're mindful of Amuna. We need that anchor. Don't be in denial of the storm. Drop the anchor, the strong anchor that'll keep us stable and keep us steady even when we, even when we. And, and I'll transition to something else that he said, which we began with. Many of our children go off in life to places where there are hurricane force winds. If they're going to a secular university campus, there are category five winds that are blowing from the day they arrive. We who engage and encounter and go out in the entire world, we are engaging category five winds every time we drive I-95 and its billboards. Every time we let the messages 
and the icons and the ideas and the ideals of the world around us. We let them in through what we're reading or watching or thinking. There are category five storms all around us. And the only way we will survive is if we have a strong anchor. And that anchor has to be a geschmack to be a yid, a beauty of Yiddishkeit and Torah, a beauty of doing mitzvahs, a beauty of what we have and we live with, a beauty of emunah, that there's a Hashem, that He comes with us to the campus or our dormitory room, that a Kodesh Baruch Hu comes with us into the courtroom, the operating room, He comes with us in the boardroom, He comes with us in the supermarket, in the gym, He's with us in our living room, He's with us in our kitchen, He's with us in our dining room, He's with us in parent-teacher conferences, He's with us, wherever we go, He's with us. That is the anchor that stabilizes us and makes us able to withstand whatever storm comes our way. The storm again can be bad news, it could be a diagnosis, the storm can be pain, the storm can be whatever that storm is, we need that anchor, it stabilizes. That anchor is what's going to be able to hold us up. My Amen, we're on page Pevav. Let's get in at least a little bit of the text. We're on page Pevav, Os Yud Aleph. Revolve, Haaros. My Amen. We've been talking about if you answer Amen Bekokocho, the Amen groups, Amen, Kel Melech Neeman, Amen, Dida, what they said. Someone made a bracha, brecha, the flow of blessings coming from above. Everything about this coffee, which I've told you a billion times already, the growth of the coffee being the manufacturer, the distributor, every gift of this coffee, everything about life, make a bracha, brecha, there's a flow of blessing that comes down. Wow, the air we, if you live here, you walked outside. It's unbelievable the weather we live in. This is it. This is why you're here. Combine that with no state income tax. It's unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. The Gashmias is unbelievable. The Ruchnias hopefully is not bad. We all belong in Eretz Yisrael. This is the best stop on the way there. That's what I tell everybody. On the way. It's a little detour. This is the greatest stop in the world on the way there. But you walk outside. How could you live in Boca Raton? How could you live in Florida in November and not walk outside every morning and say... Thank you, Hashem. It's unbelievable. The clear blue sky, the cool breeze while you feel the warmth of the sun on your neck, the birds are chirping, and the lizards and iguanas are crawling. <laughs> and you say, it's unbelievable. There's no winter coat, there's no gloves, there's no shovel, there's no boots. You say, thank you, Hashem. Wow. What a way to start the day. I'm losing friends right now watching elsewhere. But what a way. <laughs> That's all right. I should come down. What a way to start the day. Thank you, Hashem. And then when you make that first bracha, the shahakal, many people's first bracha is on the mug that they're spilling on the way to the car, to the carpool, to the late to work, to the... So you have, a, you have an opportunity. You have the opportunity. Walk outside. First of all, you understand that the greatest classroom that your children will ever sit in is the carpool, is the car. It could be a place of great tension and strife and fighting, of being late, or it could be the, the biggest classroom of their entire childhood. The curriculum of what you talk about and what you do on the way. There's a holy Jew in the Lower East Side of New York who owns a Sfarim store up in the mountains. And he told me that even though busing was available in New York, he never put his kids on the bus. He always drove them to school. I know many of you are thinking, what's wrong with him? Because what we would give for, while we have so much here in Florida, there's a price to pay for the no state income tax, we do not have busing for our kids. Well, I grew up with busing, we had busing. He said, you know, some of the worst thing that kids learn in the world, they learned on the bus on the way to school. And on the opposite side, if you have the chance to spend a few extra minutes every day, every morning and every afternoon with your children, to give them the right message on their way into school and to embrace them and welcome and connect with them right as they come out of school, who would pass up that opportunity? And that's why I encourage you, Chavit, every day, drive carpool. 
I pitch in a few times a year. Anyway, so it's, but what in the curriculum. So, so imagine, imagine for a moment, imagine for a moment that the kids get in the car every day and they'll get sick and tired of hearing this, but every day they get in the car, you make the children stop and look outside and lift their hands and take a deep breath and say, wow, where we live, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And then they hear the mother, the father, whoever's driving the carpool, the, the neighbor, make a bracha on their cup of coffee that they quickly put together on the way to the car, they're running late for the carpool, and they say, Kinderlach, my shahako on the cup of coffee is not on the cup of coffee. It's on all this. It's the fact that Hashem invented minivans. Where would the Jewish people be without minivans? <laughs> Who remembers the station wagon? My head is still spinning from having to sit in the last row looking backwards outside. I've had vertigo my whole life from that. Who's ever, who's recovered from sitting in the back seat of the station wagon, driving the wrong direction, making faces at the car behind you? Who's ever recovered from that? It's enough to put you in therapy the rest of your life. We have minivans with the push of a button, the side doors open, the trunk opens, three rows, it collapses. Is that not enough to say a shahako? The minivan, Honda, Honda's saying shahako on that. Honda's uh, saying hatova metiv on that. The, 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 the minivan industry, that's enough to make up person imagine Kinderlach with a minivan. Do you know what it meant to have to climb through and fight over who has to sit in which seat? If a minivan. Kinderlach, look outside at this weather. Look that you have a mommy or an Abba or someone to drive you to school. Look at the Zohar to go to a Jewish school. So when I'm going to say the Shahakol Kinderlach, it's on everything. It's not on Shahakol, Shahakol, everything. Everything about your morning. Now, you'll probably get some grunts, some rolling eyeballs, some resistance, some resentment. But you know what? They're going to grow up. My first cousin passed away last year, tragically young, very, very special woman, Missy Stein, Melissa Stein, Misuka Sara, very special. And do you know what one of her daughters said at her funeral many, many years later? They remembered that she used to sometimes driving them to, car, driving them to school in Philadelphia where they grew up, she would sometimes pull over because she saw something that she couldn't contain herself. And she would get out of the car, she loved taking pictures, she was a photographer, amateur, just for herself. And she would see a scene, the sun in that moment, the building, the reflection, the, she saw something, she would pull over, get out of the car, and she would say, She would say, wow, Hashem, I just saw you. I just caught you, I just captured you. Hashem, I just got a little glimpse, I just saw a little window of you. And this, that's what one of her daughters remembered all the years later, that when she grew up, now I'm sure when she was in the car, she's like, Ma, get back in the car, we're late to school. Enough with your camera, enough with your marabu masach, enough, get in the car. I'm sure as a kid, I'm sure she didn't mention that part of the funeral, but I'm sure she rolled her eyes, get back in the car, we're late to school. And yet fast forward those years later, is there a greater classroom? Is there a better curriculum when they see a parent who believes that it's really Hashem? So we yell at our kid, did you daven, did you daven, you're late to daven, and come to sit, did you go to shul, did you daven, did you daven, did you daven? But the greatest lesson is not yelling at them, did you daven, did you open the sitter, is the way they hear our shahakol. The way they hear that we make a shahakol on the sun, and on the minivan, and on the clean air that we're breathing, and on the cup of coffee, and all of that. Havan Islamid Bezalamaisa. Sorry, I lost the place. My Amen. Amar Vichanina, Kiel Melch Neaman, Hashem Kiel, Hashem Shalmidis Chazda Yizbarach. So this name, Kael, Aleph Lamed, we pronounce Kael, it's one of the um, holy names of God that we cannot say casually or lightly. So this name, Kael, this name, Kael, is the name of God that reflects his chesed. When we perceive the loving kindness of God. You know, just like people are complex, 
they don't have multiple personality as in the disorder, but people are complex. And sometimes you see the professional side, sometimes you see the personal side, sometimes the private side, the public side. Sometimes the person's gregarious and outgoing and warm, and other times they're reserved and they're shy. Sometimes the person is in business mode, sometimes they're calm, cool, and relaxed. People are complex. Well, the Ribbon Shalom also has multiple dimensions to him. There's the God, what we perceive as the component of God of justice, the Midas Haddin of God, and there's the Midas HaChesed of God, the component of God of loving kindness. There's the God who's a judge, and we come before him, and there's the God who's our father, Avinu Malkenu, the God who's the king. So this name, Kael, Aleph Lamed, the Amen, Kael Malk Neman, is the God of Chesed, Olam Chesed Yibana. God created a world on Chesed. It only exists, it only spins on its axis. We only exist because of his Chesed. Melech, second word, we have received, we've appointed, we've coronated God as our king. A Moshel is a ruler. Moshel is a ruler. A ruler rules by force. If you live under the oppressive hand of that ruler, he is the Moshel over you. You don't have a choice. You didn't elect him. You didn't coronate. You didn't inaugurate. Too bad. You live under the dominion. You are, you are their subject. They are your Moshel, your ruler. A Melech is elected. A melech is appointed. Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah is all about being Mamlech Hashem. Imru lefani machios kadesh tamlichuni alech. In the Gemara, we just learned the Rosh Hashanah. Those learned the daf, completed the daf, learned that on Rosh Hashanah we recite the Malchius section, the section about kingship and monarchy, and that is the way that we coronate God. Rosh Hashanah, the Gra says we blow the shofar. The shofar is the trumpet at the coronation ceremony. It's the inaugural ball of God. That is Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is not a day to walk around scared and frightened and crying and worried. Rosh Hashanah is a way a day to walk around happy and joyous and, and how honored you got an invite to the inauguration ball of the King of Kings of the Almighty. He is a melech. We say in our davening, God is now a moshel on all the goyim, on the nations of the world. And we long for the time he'll be a melech. Right now, he's in control, he's in charge. They're his subjects. They don't recognize his, his rulership. They don't recognize his dominion, his providence. But we long for the day that everyone will. So melech, God is our king. He's our king. We submit, we surrender, we recognize. He's our king. God says, jump, we say, how high? We work for him, he doesn't work for us. The third word, Ne'eman. So, Kael, Hashem's chesed, his loving kindness. We don't feel his, his judgment right now, his justice right now. We only feel his love. You know, like, like we said there's different versions or dimensions to people. You know, there's like the vacation Abba. You know, there's the Abba who you didn't do your homework or clean your room. And then there's vacation Abba. You know, like the Abba at home sometimes is like, can I buy that? No, absolutely not. You have enough things. Don't buy, don't spend. I'm changing the Amazon password for the 4,000th time. Absolutely not. And then there's the Abba on vacation. It's like, okay, kids, who wants what? Souvenir, drinks. And they're like, who is this guy? Who, what, what is, that's, that's vacation Abba. You know, there's the Midas HaChesed of the, of the Abba on vacation. Like once you already have to take out a mortgage to go to Disney, so what's another $25 Coke? Like, you know, vacation Abba. It's just another layer of the mortgage. It's fine to be able to go to Disney, even as a resident. So, so there's the vacation Ribbonu Shalom. There's the God of justice who's like, you're accountable. There's consequences to what you did. I'm going to hold you accountable. But then there's the Midas Chesed, the vacation, Ribbon Shalom, 
who says, I'm a father, I love you. Kinderlach, I, f- I can forgive you, I can overlook, I'm flexible, I love you, I want you to be happy. That's the kale. Kale means when we say amen, we are invoking and drawing down that dimension of Hashem. Hashem, let's go on vacation together. I want the vacation, Hashem. Let's go on, I want the Hashem who's gonna shower me with love and flexibility and patience and generosity and graciousness and understanding. Melach, and you're the kid, and, and why should you be that way? Because I elected you, because I love you. Because you don't have to rule over me with resistance from me. I've elected you, I've inaugurated you, I want you. Ne'eman, ne'eman, so that's the third word. Ne'eman l'habiyasai God is trustworthy and reliable. How many people have broken their promises to us? How many people have we trusted and leaned in on and they've broken their promises? They said they'd be there for us. They promised us all kinds of things. Friends, family members, bosses. How many people have made us promises and they, and they failed? The Ribbono Shalom ne'eman means trustworthy, reliable, dependable. Kodesh Baruch Hu says, I'll be there for you. His word is his bond. It's as good as take it to the bank. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu, who is the most loyal servant of Hashem, what does Hashem himself testify about Moshe? Bechol beisi ne'emanhu. In all of my home, in all of my world, says Hashem, Moshe is ne'eman. What do you mean he's ne'eman? Ne'eman means he's the most reliable, trustworthy, dependable. What do we wish a young couple who get married? They're all Sheva Brachas. Every uncle, brother-in-law, mother, sister, niece who speaks, all Sheva Brachas says, may they build a... Bayis Naman, Yisrael, Amen. How cute, adorable. May they build a Bayis Naman, Amen. What does it mean a Bayis Naman? What does it mean to build a Bayis Naman? May this be a home that is built on the foundation of trustworthiness, reliability, dependability. May each one be able to trust the other. May their word be their bond, may it be reliable. I don't mean trust one another that you're not going to go have an extramarital affair. Although today that's a bracha. We should give it every sheva bracha's nebuch too. That, that's not what I mean by reliable, dependable. I mean that you entered this covenant with commitment to give, to care, to love, to protect, be reliable and dependable. That you're not going to disappear. You're not going to become self-centered. You're not going to retreat. You're not going to change the rules. You're not going to lose, lose the love and the romance and the, and the commitment and the pre- being prepared to be devoted and to give. So that's that word ne'eman. Ne'eman is reliable. So kel, chesed. We are way over time, but I'm enjoying myself. So give me a couple more minutes. Kel, the Hashem of chesed, a loving, flowing chesed. I'm drawing down vacation, vacation Abba, vacation dad, vacation Hashem. Nobody's ever described Hashem that way before in all of history. Vacation Hashem. Don't, don't quote that out of context, please. Melech, right? So Kel, Chesed of Hashem. Melech, God, you don't have to force yourself upon us. You don't have to rule over us. We elect you. We submit to you. We surrender to you. We are your loyal servants. And Ne'eman, reliable. You're reliable to us. You're going to redeem us. And we can be reliable, depend on us. So with the word Amen, you are revealing three aspects or components of Hashem. You're, you're going through entire philosophy 101 course with the word Amen. There's three letters. Someone made a bracha. I made a shahakal earlier, and you all answered Amen. And with that Amen, philosophy 101, three credits, we're done. You invoked unbelievable theology, philosophy, ideas of Hashem in the three letter word Amen. And when you do that, you've opened the Garden of Eden, you've opened Gan Eden. In that moment, you've peeled back the covering. You've peeled back Hashem's hiddenness to reveal Him. You said, Amen, Kael, Melech, Ne'eman. Yeah, he's in my life. Wow. He's in the beautiful day outside. He's in the car that got me here. He's in the cup of coffee. He's in the air conditioning that's blazing. He's in the beautiful. He's everywhere. He's at all times. He's in everything. 
So when you answer Amen in that way, my cousin Missy pulled over. You know why? Because she saw, she saw an opening to Gan Eden. Everyone else drove right by. Nobody else noticed. Everybody else dismissed it as nature, or isn't that cute, or isn't that a nice scene? Let me put it on my Instagram so the whole world can see it. Even though I didn't really ever experience it because I was just more concerned with capturing it. But she saw an opening to Gan Eden. She was screaming, Amen. The sun is rising, Amen Hashem, I see you there. Unbelievable. There's a natural wildlife, there's some animal creeping and crawling. You walk around the lake here, you, don't, you save money on Butterfly World. You don't have to go to Lion Country Safari. Just go for a walk around the lake. During Corona, I used to walk my grandchildren around the lake. I haven't gone for a walk since they left, but a walk around the lake. You know what you see around the lake? There's frogs, there's lizards, there's iguanas, there's fish, there's butterflies, there's birds, there's... It's unbelievable. I posted a picture online because last week, I don't know if anybody saw it, it's an insane picture. A bird nearby caught a fish in its claws and the fish had a hook in its mouth. It must have previously been caught. So the bird was flying with the fish in its claws with its hook in its mouth and the hook caught our Erev and pulled it down. And somebody who was walking, who loves wildlife, saw this beautiful bird and saw the fish and took a picture and snapped a picture at the exact moment. If you see the picture, you will see. It's Chagadja. A man took a picture of a bird. A bird caught a fish. A fish had a hook. The, fi- the hook took down the Erev. Chagadja, Chagadja. It's an unbelievable picture. It's an unbelievable picture. So now online, there's all discussion. It's an osprey. It's a whatever. What kind of bird it is? We live in butterfly world. We live. Montoya Circle is butterfly world. We live in Lion Country Safari. So you, walk, you could walk all by and go, ew, and disgusting, and I hate it, and eh, get it out of my house and out of my life. You'd be like, Rebona Shalom, you're everywhere. You're everywhere. It's unbelievable. My cousin Missy would have stopped and said, I can't stop taking pictures. I have to stop and look at each one and marvel. I have to look at each one and, and gaze and say, Baruch Hu, there you are. I just, saw, I just got a peek into Gan Eden. I just, Amen. Amen to the lizard. Amen to the osprey. Amen to the frog. Amen to the fish. Amen to the cool breeze. Amen to the warmth of the sun on the back of my neck. Amen to the clear blue sky. Amen to the rain. Amen to the rain. Amen to everything. The world is screaming out. It's screaming out. Hashem is like, I'm ever, hi. It's not hide and seek. He's not hiding. He's like, I'm here and seek. It's not hide and seek. I'm here and seek. Why aren't you seeking? Why aren't you seeking? So, Bono Shalom's in, in, in full view. But we have to stop. And when you stop and say amen to whatever he's showing us, so then you're getting a peek, you're getting a little glimpse, you're getting a window into God and you're peeling back. Instead, we walk around all the time with layers and covering words. Where is God? If Hashem was here, this wouldn't have happened. That news wouldn't have come. I wouldn't be experiencing this. There is no, why Hashem? I have slow Wi-Fi, there's no God. Internet's down in my house, Comcast is horrible, and there's no God. That's, that's our generation's like worst you know, problems. First world problems, they're called. The Wi-Fi is slow, I don't believe anymore. I lost my faith, crisis of faith. Or real problems, real, real problems. But we think Hashem is hidden, you can't find Him, and He's in full view. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. Just stop and say Amen and look and see Him. And that is dropping the anchor. That is the anchor which will carry us in that moment when the winds are seeking to wash us away and to knock us over. Malaha aretz kinyanecha. The simple title of the words, David HaMelech, Malaha aretz kinyanecha. The world is filled. Kinyanecha means God. Your acquisitions, you acquire, you own, you own the whole world. We are your subjects, this is your world. But the Sfarim say, read it differently. Malaha aretz, kinyanecha. 
The world is filled with opportunities to make a Kenyan on you. The world is filled with opportunities and invitations for me to acquire you. For me to acquire you. I'll end with something I just said a few moments ago in the Mesir Sasharm Shir, which is, I just got this new safer. My good buddy, Mindy, is responsible. It's, very, it's costing me a lot of money because I just had to put in new bookcases because he's always sending me Svarim. Thank you, Mindy. So this is a brand new book that came out. An amazing author, Rav Dov Ber Pinson, who's a Chabadnik, but very broad and invokes and pulls from everywhere, wrote this beautiful book that apparently was many years in the making called Illuminated Sound, the Baal Shem Tov on Prayer. Illuminated Sound, the Baal Shem Tov on Prayer. I got it yesterday. Just this morning I was going through it. I couldn't put it down. So beautiful, such beautiful ideas about who we are. The word daven in Yiddish is to dream, to yearn, to long, to reach, to connect to the infinite. The Hebrew word adam, human, is rooted in dimyon, imagination. We are created in the divine imagination, and we in turn create our reality through the prism of our own imagination. It's a very, very beautiful book, beautiful ideas. Why am I invoking it? To close with one more thought. He says in here from the Baal Shem Tov that, I haven't marked anything up in it already, but he says, the Pasuk tells us, Bechol durachecha do'ehu. That in all of our ways we're meant to know Hashem. Bechol durachecha do'ehu. Pasuk in Mishlei, a Pasuk in Mishlei, Proverbs. Perakimah Pasuk Vav. Bechol durachecha do'ehu. In all of your ways know Him. In all of your ways know Him. And He will straighten your path. Simply put, we should internalize and live with the awareness of Hashem's presence at all times and everything we do. This will bring one to the ultimate clarity of meaning and direction of our lives. The word do'ehu, to know Him, used in this all-important phrase, implies dvekas. The Torah uses the word da, know, as a euphemism for intimate relations. Do'ehu means knowing him by passionately cleaving to and unifying with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. B'chol d'rachecha do'ehu. Adam yada eschave ishto. There is no biblical word for physical intimacy between a husband and wife. To biblically know one another is the act of intimacy, the ultimate vulnerability, the ultimate bond, the ultimate connection, the ultimate union. And we are meant to know God in that way. It means to Ki'ilu have that intimacy, that bond, that connection, that vulnerability with Hashem. Said the Baal Shem Tov, Bechol da'ehu, in all of your ways, you can have an intimate moment with Hashem. In the car, in the carpool, in the supermarket, while making the kugel, while negotiating the deal, while in the shear, while having the conversation. Bechol with whatever we're doing, da'ehu. Not just you could know, I'm like, oh yeah, Hashem, I know you. I know you cognitively, I know you academically, I know you in the abstract. Wherever, whenever, with all that I'm doing, I can be having an intimate moment with you, God. You are there. You are there with me whenever and wherever. Sorry we went over time. Got a little excited today. Don't forget to drop your anchor to protect you from the storms, to make your first shahako. Tonight behind the beam at 9 p.m., David Lichtenstein. Next week, please God, Rav Machlis. Keep telling me your Amuna stories. Till next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy.